Hello and welcome to Bondcast, a podcast series where we discuss our views on the latest themes and events shaping rates markets. I'm Imogen Bakra, European Rate Strategist, and I'm joined today by our Global Market Specialists, Giles Gale, Theo Chapsalis and Jana Vruzzi. Before we get into today's discussion, I'm very excited to say that Bondcast has now hit the big time and has its very own channel. So if you want to keep getting the latest episodes of Bondcast straight to your ears, head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, search for Bondcast, The Rates Podcast, and hit subscribe. All right. So another really volatile week. I'm going to have to start with you again, Theo, because it's really been UK rates that have been driving the volatility. I think, well, you can give me the exact quantification, but I would say that it's some of the uh, most volatile moves that we've ever really seen in the UK rates market. So um, perhaps you can just give us your take on, on what's been going on. Yeah, absolutely. So definitely what we've seen this week, uh, it's volatile conditions that compare only maybe to the COVID period uh, in March 2020, when we really saw, you know, uh, the market being extremely, extremely nervous. Now, what stands out is that this has not happened because of a pandemic or because of, you know, um, surprises that are too negative. Uh, That has happened because of a market that tries to find its footing, tries to understand, to interpret BOE's reaction function, and this is becoming increasingly difficult. So to give you an idea and, and to put things into context, front-end Sonia rates sold off by almost 30 basis points on Monday. And today, these same rates are rallying by around 10 basis points without much additional information. In fact, the inflation data that we received today, and we're recording that on Wednesday, the 20th of October, the inflation data that we received did point to really strong inflation. So if something, it should support higher front-end rates. Long story short, this volatility is really triggered by the very front-end of the curve. We talk about extreme volatility that feeds through to the rest of the curve. It has to price in the rest, what is going on at the front-end, and it has implications for the market. But also, it has implications for other markets. So this huge degree of volatility is made in the UK indeed. So you mentioned there, I guess, front it's really the front end that's driving the curve. And obviously what we have seen is a huge shift in, in market pricing for rate hikes. We've now got 100% of a rate hike price in, uh, in the UK by the end of the year. Do you agree with that or do you think that rate hikes come later? So we think that a lot of optimism is in the price. Um, we find that the market rushes to price in those hikes. What is interesting is that the BOE, they've not pushed back at all. There have been some comments from um, a few members, for example, Catherine Mann, that can wait. She said that she can wait, for example. But uh, Bailey pretty much saw this repricing. And over the weekend, he, he wanted to make it clearer. He wanted to give an additional signal. So it was very explicit that, you know, rate hikes are coming. So it may be the case that indeed rate hikes come sooner rather than otherwise, but not necessarily to such a degree, because we need to take into consideration that once we reach the 0.5%, guilds will not be reinvested, one point, and then once we reach the 1% threshold, we may talk about a balance sheet reduction and active selling of guilds, and those two measures are actually measures of tightening, so they will translate into 
into higher yields at the back end of the curve once when they happen. So we need to be careful of the degree of tightening that we want to signal. So to us, as things stand, we think that the market prices in at the front end too high rate. What we think though is that the, the amount of volatility is particularly high. This is why deliberately we do not have entries there because by the moment that we somebody puts a trade on or puts a view on, they may reach you know either the, their target or be stopped out because of uh, that volatile behavior. So this is why we look at opportunities in, in other parts of the curve and you know uh, in other sectors where we think that there is a lot more value. Now, just moving away from monetary policy slightly, and I will come back to it because it's obviously very, very relevant um, for European and US markets. Like you say, you know, the UK is causing a lot of volatility elsewhere too. But just while I still have you, Theo, um, obviously next week we get the updated budget. Um, can you quickly run through what your expectations are for that? Yeah, I think this is a very important moment for the UK because it may very well signal a shift out of the mantra of spending whatever it takes. So the UK in the post-COVID era, or at least, you know, after the onset of the pandemic, was very keen to spend. And we're used to seeing high issuance numbers. But what we expect to see next week is quite a different budget. So first of all, tax receipts have been running faster than expectations. Second, spending has been slower. We also know that 12 billion will be raised through tax increases. Now, if we take all those points together, we find that some of the needs to raise cash, so that number in the UK, which is called CGNCR, which pretty much is the cash that is needed by the government. So that number pretty much may be a lot lower than what the market believes it is. And we price in 165 billion of that CGNCR number, which is particularly low. What does it mean for the guild market? Is um, a lot less issuance. So we talk about 42 billion of less guilds to be issued which in our view is quite significant. And we talk also about a market where investors will need to reassess the views that they have with regards to guilds and the availability that they find in the guild market. Long story short, some of those guilds may be more difficult to be found. The budget will be important, will be significant. So we think that you know guilds may be close to their cheapest point now. Well, that kind of already answers my next question, but I, I was just going to ask what that, you know, your views on the budget really imply for the market and perhaps cross-market themes that you're looking at at the moment as well. Yeah, I mean, it's there, there are two different themes that we find particularly pertinent. One is the cross-market that you mentioned, and this is where we do have very strong views. And the, the, the view that we have is that we really think that guilds are a cheap asset class relative to others, relative to treasuries, relative to bonds, um, the Euro team, you guys are a lot more rates bearish. Um, in the US side, it's a little bit more nuanced, but guilds, we think that they are at a very, very cheap moment. And in a world where inflation is particularly high, it is difficult to go outright longer market. So we think that guilds offer value from a cross-market point of view relative to bonds and treasuries. So this is one thing that we like. Another thing that we like and we think that will pan out is really inflation expectations at the back end of the UK curve should widen because Lincoln is really an asset class that we think will be in scarcity. So there are specific technicalities, coupon money, index extensions, um, you know, those flows will support the market. De-risking activity is another one. So there are solid arguments why linkers will perform. 
But once again, we like a view in terms of break even simply because it is really difficult taking an outer directional view with regards to fixed income. All right, thank you, Gia. Um, so over to you then, Giles. I, I think I guess for you this week I have well, sort of similar questions to what I asked Theo. You know, obviously the UK has been driving um the kind of volatility in markets, but it has taken Europe with it. Um and rate hike pricing in the euro area has shifted quite significantly, well, just over the last week as well, but I guess generally speaking, over the last kind of six weeks. Um, what's your take on that? Do you uh, agree with where the market's price now or, or do you think it's gone too far? No, I don't agree at all. I think it's definitely gone too far. I mean, no, it's it's not, no, I mean, it's never impossible, but it, I think it's highly unlikely that we, we see rate hikes, which are, you know, on the, on, on the kind of schedule that the market has in mind at the minute. I mean, to be clear, we're talking about a rate hike in the second half of 2022 now, um, two rate hikes basically by the very beginning of, of uh, 2023. And as we said before, you know, that kind of implies that quantitative easing will stop, um, I mean, around about the middle of next year, which just doesn't look likely at all. I mean, you know, I know that there's a lot of uncertainty about about inflation, you know, which is overshooting pretty dramatically at the moment, but I think you have to extrapolate um, pretty aggressively to to get into that. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's overdone. I think it'll be, you know, we'll see some pushback from the ECB. Uh, there's an ECB meeting next week, um, so yeah. <laughs> that was going to be my next question, and <laughs> I think you could sense it. Uh, so, so the ECB, you think, are going to kind of explicitly push back on on rate hike pricing next week? Yeah, I mean, we've kind of already seen a little bit. Uh, there was an online kind of you know, discussion uh, yesterday where Philip Lane, the chief economist, um, you know, kind of questioned what the market's understanding of what was going on really was here. Yeah, I mean, I he, he's a dove. It's not that surprising, nonetheless. You know, I mean, yeah, I, I, it's not like doves and hawks often change their messaging. But when you hear from one side or the other, that's when, <laughs> that's when you have to uh, pay attention. Yeah, I, I, th I think, well, you know, I mean, it's the kind of thing that's likely to come up in in a in a Q and A to to the guard. I mean, she's not going to push back in the in the statement, obviously, but it's the kind of thing that's likely to come up in in the Q and A. And you know, she'll find a gentle way of reminding the market that really, you know, they have to, you know they they have this new guidance about what has to happen in terms of inflation outcomes um, you know, they have to be projecting inflation to arrive at target well in advance of their the end of their forecasting horizon and then to stay there and you know, very very few forecasters and, and and actually you know even the market i mean if you look at the the front end of the the inflation market which has been you know pretty volatile as well as you can as you can imagine and uh, you know the, the front end has been leading that and you know i mean it's uh it's, it's a market which has been arguably a little bit squeezy as well i mean so so you know, valuations have really repriced there but even then you know you don't see that so you know i think it's it's pretty clearly 
I, I would say, gone too far at this stage. So next week's meeting then, it's an inter-quarter meeting, which we don't usually get a huge amount from. There's obviously no updated macroeconomic projections. Um, is there anything else we should be looking for other than a kind of focus on current market pricing for rate hikes in a, a tapered schedule? Listen, if it wasn't for all the, the volatility in markets, I think we wouldn't really have all that much to say about the, the ECB next uh, next week because it is seen as a bit of a placeholder where you know we're really looking uh, for, looking forward to the December meeting as the one where we are going to get the important announcements, most likely around the you know, the, the next steps for, for quantitative easing when PEP ends uh, at the end of the first quarter next year. I still think we're on that time frame. Um, th there are times when the ECB has taken uh, taken the opportunity you know, presented by a meeting to, to you know, talk about their displeasure at the you know, how volatile the markets are and so on. I don't think we're likely to get that, to be honest with you. Um, not on the other, you know, whilst Lane was talking about the front end, you know, we had not, for example, this week, who is, you know, he's a Dutch central bank governor, and he was saying, well, you know, rates probably should, you know, we should be looking at them rising because you know, higher inflation recovery, all the you know, obvious reasons, to be honest. So, you know, I don't, although we've had big moves, I don't think they've been so big that the ECB needs to push back on them. And crucially, and this is really, this is really important, the, the move has, has, has really been in rates. It hasn't been in, in, in sovereign spreads at all. And you know, we look at charts all day long, you know, trying to identify relative value type option, you know, opportunities. And actually, there's really nothing that's been significantly pushed out of um, out of whack there. So, you know, that isn't something which I think is going to attract their attention, and it's you know, something which all else equal could. Yeah, I think that's that's quite an important point actually, which Mike missed a little bit in all the volatility. So, just to round out the ECB discussion then, because we're recording this on Wednesday, and the news broke this morning, kind of surprisingly, that uh, Weidman, the uh, Bundesbank president um, and very well known hawk who's often quite vocal in his um hawkish views will be resigning at the end of the year um there wasn't a huge market reaction to that a, you know he just cited personal reasons for stepping down do we think this is a big deal does it change the direction of travel of the ecb at all or is it just you know one of those things and he'll be replaced like for like essentially right so jens weidman Yes, he has been one of the leading hawkish voices at the ECB you know, and was all through the sovereign crisis and, and so on. And But really, he hasn't been particularly decisive um, in, um, in recent years, I would say. He, um, I mean, I, that's not to say that he had a kind of dovish conversion particularly, but obviously, you know, he is an intelligent person. He can see the challenges that are being faced. And um, you know, I guess inflation simply didn't really turn out as he perhaps thought it might have done you know, back in 2012, 2013. Um, no, so I think 
you know, the likelihood is just because, you know, I mean, it, this is probably the least insightful thing I'll ever say, but he's probably going to be replaced by somebody who is less hawkish. Um, <laughs> and, and that's partly because you know, the, the bar was set so high, um, you know, within reason, of course. I mean, it's, it's too simple to, to just talk about you know, straight up hawks and doves and you know, people who just you know, block every, you know, every dovish initiative you know, on, on principle. I mean, that just you know, in, in practice doesn't really happen. So, but, but, but of course, he will be replaced um, by the new, slightly you know, sort of more dovish leaning, at least kind of by, um, no, uh, by instinct, uh, German sort of government coalition. And so, yeah, it's likely that we'll have a, a, more, a more dovish leaning um, uh, Bundesbank president. Uh, will that make a big difference in the short term? No, I doubt it. But no, it's uh, it's something. Yeah, I mean, you no. Know, when think pushed up comes to shove in the future, it could make a little bit of a difference. All right, thank you. Least insightful. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I'm gonna have to check my records. <laughs> um, all right, thank you, Giles. Over to you then, Dan. And and well, I guess back to to market pricing of of rate hikes and central bank reaction functions, as that really is the theme of the week. But you know, one of the big calls that you guys have had in the US for most of the year, I think, is that whilst we may not need to price Fed hikes sooner, you felt like the market needed to price more Fed hikes once they got going. Um, obviously, with all this kind of volatility and, and shifting at the front end, um, the market has now done that and we have more hikes priced in. Um, does this change your kind of view, I guess, both on out, outright duration and the shape of the curve at the front end? The moves in the front end have definitely dominated, uh, I suppose, the uh, Kind of like the market, uh, the news flow recently, and since May we have been pretty, uh, pretty much bearish on duration outright. More so, uh, more so on the belly. We we thought, uh, like you said, the market would have to price in more hikes by the Fed, given all this uncertainty around inflation. So we like structures like uh, short two year, two year, or short fives, two five stands. Uh, you know, belly short. We got out out of that trade like a week or two ago. And this week earlier uh, on, on Monday, we exited out of the, the outright view just with the with the idea that, and I'm talking Monday prices. Now, uh, by the time we're recording, it has recovered somewhat. But in Monday, we had something like 50 basis points priced in by the end of next year, four and a half by the end of 2023, four and a half hikes priced in by 2023. So not, not that we don't think market could go further, but it, at this point, it just seems like any further pricing would be a little bit more challenging. For now, it just seems simply enough. And uh, we prefer to take some chips off the table here and uh, kind of, uh, you know, accept that we might see a little bit more of consolidation, which is, I think, what, what's been happening over the past couple of days. Undoubtedly, some of that has been uh, driven by the UK as well. But we're, we're certainly seeing some consolidation. And that was one of our uh, views. We remain with flatteners. Uh, just to make that clear, but we we got out of our outright directional views. At this stage now, we see 40 basis points in the market uh, th this morning when I checked for end of next year. I, I, I can see that going a little bit sideways. Um, however, for the for the curve view, what you asked, uh, even though a lot is priced in, uh, the narrative of, of the Fed hiking next year and, and entering like a hiking uh, cycle in, in the face of this inflation and inflation certainty and a recovering job market, the narrative will be there. We might not see a lot more pricing, 
but that narrative should uh, help uh, keep the long and anchored. So, you know, the Fed hiking in the face of supply chain issues, labor issues, energy prices increasing, uh, that, that could put a little bit worry in the, in the mind of the market as far as growth goes. So we could see a little bit flattening this time driven by the, by the long end as opposed to more high pricing. While the belly of the curve sort of kind of uh, goes, goes more sideways or even a little bit more consolidates. I mean, into next year, we'll have to uh, probably reevaluate our views again. But at this point, the fives seem at more fair value to us. So when you're talking about flatness, then are you thinking about fives, tens or even further up the curve, kind of fives, thirties? More five, five stands. But uh, I think we're sort of, I think that fives, thirties also sounds, uh, sounds reasonable. So on balance, I'd say both fit within our framework of kind of long and long and remaining anchored and the kind of fives uh, sticking where they are. So uh, our the recommendation we had earlier, man, was the five stands, but we added five studies later to that too, and we're probably going to stick with that for now. All right, great. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate I've cut you a little bit short this week compared to the other two, but next week is a very exciting week because we're going to talk all things Fed and the refunding announcement. So you will have plenty of time next week to talk about everything. And hopefully the UK might be a little less volatile, so um, we'll have to spend less time there. <laughs> um, all right. Thanks, everyone. I think that really is all we have time for this week. Um, and just a reminder to our listeners, two things. First of all, that Bondcast has moved to its own channel. So um, if you would like to keep getting our latest episodes, then please search uh, Bondcast, the Rates podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast uh, and click subscribe subscribe so you get our latest episodes and secondly if you do have any questions that you would like to ask our bondcasters then please send us an email at bondcast at natwest.com thanks catch up next week <laughs>